Have you ever wondered how we can improve maternal and perinatal outcomes in a low cost and very effective value added way while we're improving health disparities? Tune in today to find out. Hello from sunny Austin, Texas, and welcome to the Healthcare Soothsayer podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Bonnie Clipper, and yes, I'm a nurse. I have worked for more than 30 years as a nurse, chief nurse executive, innovation strategist, and speaker. I have taken the message of Nursing Innovation International and look forward to continuing this message to transform health. This podcast will bring you thought leaders and ideas that you may not have otherwise heard from. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Healthcare Soothsayers. Our guest today is Siggy Marmerstein, CEO and founder of Baby Live Advice. Siggy, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you and learning about what what it is you do. And I should also say at this time, it's really exciting because you're a nurse. Yes, I am. Excellent. Tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, I'm actually born and raised in Israel, came to the United States to pursue uh, my career in what I thought was veterinary medicine and ended up in nursing school. I graduated from USC nursing school in 1996 um, and jumped right into the nurse practitioner program right after that, became a family nurse practitioner. Um, I've been in academia as well as in frontline um, as an NP working um, in various clinical settings. I also have been um, a clinical instructor, uh, a nurse uh, preceptor, uh, a clinical director of a couple of school of nursings. And then found myself actually uh, starting my own company um, in telehealth in 2009, which was a nurse-based telehealth company called Medcare Life. Um, that was the first urgent care in California that was done virtually. And right after that, became a telehealth consultant and worked in about different setting. But in total, I have been involved in about 85 telehealth program implementation across the United States. And that has been amazing, and I really liked um, being involved in that, um, which led me to be where I am today, which is the CEO and founder of Baby Life Advice, which is also a telehealth company that is supporting uh, maternal and infant care from preconception to early child. So this is fascinating. You're a nurse, and you're in this space. Tell us what your company does and and how how this is different for nurses to be involved in this space. What we really do is ultimately support physicians and hospital system in caring for their panel of mothers and babies. And the way we do that is we are providing the external services that are not being provided in the offices or in the hospital around maternity, which is, you know, all of the support, advice, questions and answer, education, empowerment, um, telemonitoring of uh, blood pressure, blood sugars, um, weights and others, uh, um, nutritional education, diabetic education, all of the things that are so important to keep a mom healthy and have a good outcomes in her pregnancy. We really provide that um, via telehealth nurses 
uh, nurse practitioners, doulas, midwives, lactation consultants, and nutritionists. Wow, that's a pretty robust series of services that you offer, and especially um, today when when people really want information and access. Yes. How so? Share with us a little bit about who would be kind of an average customer, and what does that journey look like for a customer, a, a patient? So, in an essence, um, we serve a lot of FQHCs and low socioeconomic moms because their access to care is actually quite diminished um, in our current system. Um, I would say the best way to describe is is um, a patient find out that they're pregnant, they go to see a physician, if they're lucky enough to have one. Um, if those physicians are within our network, um, they will be referred to Baby Love Advice for all of their educational, nutritional, um, lactation needs, or any other needs that they may have. Uh, the physicians will be doing all of the medical care, uh, ultrasound, blood sugars, blood pressures, all those things. And then they will say, baby live advice, take on, and we will take on on the the rest of the um, the care of that mom that is not medical care. Um, it's really wonderful to see that collaboration between um, you know the clinical side of maternity care and the educational empowerment, telemonitoring, telehealth side of it. That is where the gaps are at, where moms falls um, in between the chairs, if you may. Um, we are the, the one who are able to pick that up, close the care gaps, make sure that mom is well supported and uh, educated uh, in order for her to avoid, you know, um, health behaviors or risk behaviors that put her and baby in risk. So how do your outcomes demonstrate the value of the service that you provide? So we had multiple um, outcome studies and pilots um, starting in 2014, actually. Uh, in total, we served about 15,000 moms uh, and studied their outcomes. So um, let me give you some data. Um, we have reduced C-section overall by 38% in our maternity um, population, increased lactation by 66%. We reduced preterm labor and NICU admission by um, about 48%. Readmission we uh, and ER utilization. Um, we have some really good data to show that what we do actually works. All right. So wait a minute. Now let's let's walk through each of those. Um, those are great data points. Tell me how you make an impact to that. How do you reduce C-sections? The best way to reduce C-section is to avoid the reason why a mom will need a C-section. So usually that will be hypertensive crisis, uh, diabetic crisis, um, heart disease or heart failure, um, chronic disease management, overweight um, in time of pregnancy. And then, of course, the, the big one is elective C-sections where mom actually requests to have C-sections or the physicians are the one who are initiating that. Through education and empowerment of those women, telemonitoring them, following them very closely throughout their pregnancy, making sure that they don't develop pre or post eclampsia, that they are keeping the weight under control, the sugars under control, we can make sure that the mom um, can have a vaginal healthy delivery at 40 weeks without having to go through inductions and ultimately C section. 
we also talk to mom about, you know, not requesting C-section, you know, or um, asking their physician to induce them. We tell them about the reasons why they don't want to do that. And now that might end up, you know, causing them to go to a C-section or end up with complication. So that's all the ways by which we do that. Yeah, it's actually pretty crazy when you think about it, that there was a point in time that OBs would actually do a C-section either to avoid a vacation or a holiday or to let you have a certain birth date or something really crazy. It's it's nuts (laughs) to think that we actually used to do that. Yes, we're still doing that, by the way. Um, In fact, you know, Unfortunately, right now, our C-section rate across the United States are just around 30%, which is very, very high. Um, And so that means that there is still these behaviors where we do in elective C-sections and um, what we call comfortable C-sections, not having mom, having a vaginal delivery after C-section. There is physicians who will not do what we call a VVAC. these, these kind of behaviors are things that there is no consequences for in, um, in, in our care models, um, and that's why this still continues. So it's interesting to me, you, you talked a while ago about the fact that the majority, I believe, of your patients come out of FQHC-type clinic settings. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you are as busy and saturated and... Um, sort of used as you could be, how can you scale that up and bring this service to others who would benefit from it? Are, are you only in one state or are you national? So we are national. Um, we all over the United States. Um, what we do is extremely scalable because what we're building is a model of care. Um, and the model of care is what we will call a hybrid maternity care, which is what I would like to see happening where mothers are still having the medical care at the medical home um, and not necessarily for a physician that's going to be a midwife or um or other care providers who will see mothers um and birthing people for the the care need the medical care need but then that everything else that is required throughout the pregnancy is going to be done virtually um, that is also very much supportive of the physicians um, and the midwives and the care providers who are caring for the birthing people, right? I mean, they are uh, tasked with very large panels who have to do a lot of work and they're un- unable to, to do education and monitoring and, and empowerment of those moms. There's no time in the day to sit down and have a nice conversation about, you know, what do you want to do for your birth plans or how do you see yourself you know, um, accessing lactation and or what are your plans for this baby, right? So that is where we come in and take on and that have shown to reduce those terrible outcomes that we are seeing in our system. So walk me through um, sort of a, a client journey. Do I get connected with you back at my first or second um, provider appointment or how do I get to you? How do I get to baby live advice? So you may get to us through definitely through your provider. Um, if your provider is with uh, providers that are working with us, let's say um, you're working with an FQHC and uh, you have your baby there, you'll come in for your appointment. Usually the care coordinators in those clinics or the nurses or the physicians or the midwife will say, uh, we'd like you to follow up with baby love advice. These are, you know, this is the app or here is the website. Please go there and uh, sign up. 
um, with the clinics that we are integrated with, they can actually book the first appointment for the mom um, with us. We will have an appointment by which we will go over the birthing person, the mom history, um, we'll answer her questions, we'll start working on her birth plans with her, um, and we will continue monitoring her throughout her pregnancy um, as she sees fit. We also provide a lot of classes and support groups for those mothers where they can, uh, if they have mental health issue, if they uh, develop pregnancy loss or have any other needs, like we have the hypertension group, we have the pregnant mama group, uh, we have different kind of groups where they can come in and have like those chats and conversations, questions and answers um, that are being led by professionals. So all of those are available to the parent who is coming to us. Um, they can also come to us straight online and uh, direct to consumer. I mean, we are finding moms who heard about us through a friend or family. Um, they may get to us through the insurance company if we are uh, with that contract or through the hospital system um, if they are delivering a hospital that is one of the Baby Love Advice hospitals. Okay, so you got me thinking here, I, and I love this um, model. So it's virtual. I'm going to get a lot of education. What if um, mom is in a state and partner is traveling? Can Does it matter where they are? Can they both join these yes. classes? Can yes. I have some of maybe my parents also want to join a class? Oh, yeah. No, we have what we call supportive pair. Like we are very much with a supportive pregnancy uh, model, right? So anybody within the family, if you have a doula that who's going to be um, assisting you throughout your delivery, the doula is welcome to join our classes, our support groups, our conversations. Um, if your partner is somewhere else, uh, obviously, since it's telehealth, we have a link. They can jump in and be in the calls. Um, so, yeah, we definitely within uh, capacity to bring in groups, families and uh, partners together into one conversation or one group class or one chat. I love that. That's super, super cool. Thank you. And, you know, I just think about the value of bringing family members and friends into this really supportive sort of milieu that really provides like a wraparound ecosystem for, you know, parents and, right. and mothers. That's amazing. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly the point. Um, and that's what our p patients are telling us, right? That they they absolutely love this. This is so important to them. Um, you know, we find that when people are engaged with us, they stay engaged with us for up to 15 months. Um, Sometimes we have to kind of say, well, thank you, but we no longer have services for you. So you literally cut the cord. <laughs> cut the cord. Absolutely. We have to do that sometimes. Yeah. So you mentioned the doula word a couple of times. I've sort of had a couple offline conversations and I understand that's um, really coming back. Is that the trend that you're seeing as well? Yes, doulas are coming back for sure. I don't think that they ever went away. What we've seen more is that doulas are now being more supported as um, a pregnancy partner, which is finally time to look at that model. The doula model is um, a very old model, actually. Um, it's been around for many, many years. Um, same thing with midwifery, right? Which is a very old and known model uh, in pregnancy care. Um, I'm seeing, we've seen reimbursement, um, insurance reimbursement, finally catching up to this, you know, to this model. And, and I love it. I think it's very, very important. 
Well, didn't doulas arise in the end of the 60s or literally the early 70s? So it's yeah. been around for decades. Decades. For 40 years, we had doulas around. They've been, they're, they've never been gone, but they haven't been utilized and there hasn't been models to, uh, for payment models for them. What we're seeing right now is that there are associations for doulas um, and we've seen um, reimbursement, uh, actual reimbursement coming out from the insurance companies and from the hospitals. So can you maybe just give our uh, listeners, help them understand the difference between a midwife and a doula? A midwife is going to be a person who has gone through uh, a midwifery program. Um, A lot of time they are nurses who have gone to a nursing program, then to a family nurse practitioner or or a woman's services program, and then learn to be a midwife. Sometimes we have traditional midwives. Those are people who have not gone through um, what we call traditional education, but became a midwife through experience. They got grandfather into midwifery through experience of delivering babies outside of hospitals or in birthing centers. Doulas are coaches. They coach them. They don't deliver the baby. They don't uh, actually uh, help you in birthing, but they are there to support, educate, and support moms throughout her pregnancy coach her, um, help her make uh, decisions around her pregnancy. And then they are there in the delivery room to provide support for the partner as well as for the birthing person. You, you know, you just did, I think, one of the best jobs of explaining the benefit of using a, a doula. I have been a nurse for 30 plus years and generally trained on Western medicine. And it's not something that um, we didn't tend to embrace the role of a doula. So how you explained it is a lovely way that actually makes sense to me. And Mm -hmm. I can see the benefit of why people want to use them and why we should incorporate them in the birth plan and make this really, it's sort of a, a beautiful time in people's lives. Right. So why would we not want to support them in the ways that they're interested in? Yes. And, and one of the things, you know, if you think about anything that you do in your life, I mean, even just, uh, you know, as simple as setting up a little computer or, or, or setting up your printer, you have a whole lot of explanations and, and, and instructions of how to do that. But babies, babies don't come with instructions, right? And that's what Baby Lab Advice, um, by the way, tagline is, is that now babies come with instructions. Everything in the world comes with instructions, but we don't know that. how to have babies. We are not being trained or talked about parenting. Um, we don't really speak about much about the birthing process, the pains and the agonies that come with it. Um, in our society, we, we tend to suppress pain, fear, anxiety, emotions. Um, so moms feel that it's abnormal for them to experience any of that. Um, and so when you have somebody there who can coach you through it and help you understand that these are normal fears, anxieties, pains, aches, um, and needs, that makes you feel back to normal uh, and helps you to cope with the pregnancy experience and later on with parenting much, much better. So if you had a magic wand, is there anything that you would do in your next evolution or your next iteration of baby live advice? Oh my God. Um, Definitely have um, more participation um, on the institutional level with what it is that we do. Um, 
really um, look at this as a model of care that should be um, utilized regularly in maternity. There is no reason why any woman uh, or any birthing person should go through maternity and parenting with such anxiety and stress. I mean, really, if we can coach people, educate them, uh, give them the tools that they need, um, that whole experience will become so different for them and much less traumatizing. It's also have shown that when moms were coached or parents were coached through pregnancy and then postpartumly, that they were better parents, that they gave life a better beginning, that babies were raised better, that they were fed better, that they had a better uh, social integration into system, that there was less crime with uh, and less uh, abuse. Uh, we've seen less uh, when babies are supported. We've seen less uh, babies in foster care. Mm. So all of these are extremely important and they're so easily done. Uh, this is not expensive or undoable. It's just a matter of putting the, you know, the care where it needs to be. And, and I love that because that's so important. It feels like for very little on the spend, we can add so much value, not only to the experience, but to the outcomes. And uh, yes. there's a lot of power in that. And certainly there are health benefits in that. And, and what I think I'm also hearing is that because of the work and the majority of the clients come out of FQHCs, I'm hearing it as an opportunity to reduce disparities and improve health equity. That's awesome. Yes, and, and we do that every day because we work with a lot of places where mom cannot be seen by anybody, a provider, a doula, or a midwife for miles and miles away from their home. Their neighborhoods don't have those kind of clinics. Uh, their hospitals have closed the maternity wards. Um, baby love advice sometimes is the only thing that they have, actually. Um, and, you know, that is where we come in and really, again, closing the health disparities but and, and the cultural gaps that are in maternity care in our, um, in our states and, and, and in the United States. Well, and you know, every baby and every family deserves a fighting chance. So I love the fact that this is really a way to level that playing field. Yes. Yes. And you know, um, Bonnie, let me, let me give you a very good example of where medicine has been and where, where we are failing to care for a 90 year old CHF patient. Physicians will spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on different kind of programs to care for that elderly person, which is in their end of the life. And not to say that they don't need that care, but we have a massive spend at the end of life um, and later on in life care in chronic disease management. A 22-year-old mom in South Virginia will not get $22 uh, of perinatal vitamins prescribed to her under her Medicaid plan. She won't be able to see a physician until she is 28 weeks pregnant. She won't be getting lactation consultants uh, for free. She will not get supported at all um, and may not even be able to have her baby in Virginia if her hospital is not taking her insurance. So, you know, why are we valuing that in our system that much and not valuing the beginning of life and where how, how life begins that is for me is a very big question uh, i would love to talk to a few ceos about that thing well and i and i think that you know there's been a lot of work done on how much we spend at 
the end of life. And I, I think this is just one of those examples that is highlighted in medicine and in healthcare. We we are at the time, we're beyond the time that we have to disrupt and transform the way that we provide care. And really, it seems like, again, for not a huge investment, this is a way to bring a lot of value and improve the outcomes for many, many people that have a long life ahead of them. So it certainly makes sense that we would um, make that investment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, this has been a great conversation, Siggy, and this is a great place for us to put a pin in it for today. And I want to thank you for being with us today on the Healthcare Soothsayers podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. And thank you for bringing up the maternity issue uh, and infancy care um, on this podcast. I appreciate that. Absolutely. And be sure to check out the show notes for this show to find Siggy's contact information and to learn more about her work. Thanks so much for listening to Healthcare Soothsayers. I really do appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and share it with your network. That is how we grow and learn. If you have ideas for show topics or guests, please reach out to me directly at ThoughtLeaderRN on Twitter. For information about this show or any of the others in the Touchpoint Media Network, please check them out at touchpoint.health.